Welcome to Speakeasy, a storytelling open mic that happens at 7 p.m. the first Thursday of every month at Wild Goose Creative in Columbus, Ohio. Each month, we gather to hear stories inspired by a theme. They can be funny, intimate, awkward, angry, messy, heartbreaking, always true. In the decade I have attended Speakeasy, I've been moved while listening to stories masterfully told, and stories someone is sharing for the first time, often thinking, if I hadn't come out tonight, I would have missed this. And while nothing can compare to the magic of being in the room, part of the audience, leaning in, reacting together, I'm glad we're able to share so many of these stories with you, no matter where you are the first Thursday of the month. Hopefully, you can join us. Until then, just listen. Well, I'm here to tell you the story of the first job I got after I finished my doctorate from Duke, which was uh, telephone psychic. (laughs) So let me back up a little bit. So when I started graduate school, uh, this was uh, in the early 1990s, academia had not yet collapsed, and uh, there were still promises of employment at small, ivy-covered campuses for everybody. Um, But within five years, it was apparent that uh, the less desirable subjects, such as mine, uh, were uh, already starting to see problems in employment. So I was, uh, so I realized after five years, well, I'm probably not going to be working as a French professor anytime soon. But I had no plan B. So I finished the degree and uh, moved out with my wife, to, uh, who then started her own uh, doctoral program in biology. So I finished, I graduated in 1999, and our son was also born in 1999. And my wife started her PhD program in 1999. So We segued from, so it was a year of a lot of changes. So we ended up moving to California uh, for her to start a new program and for me to start a period of time with no job and a small child, Um, which worked out well. We had no child care options in California because we were a couple of thousand miles away from everyone we knew, uh, and there was a two-year waiting list at at the school daycare. So the plan was that I would stay home, uh, take, care of our, take care of our son, and she would uh, work the uh, 20 hours a day that are required for new students and science programs. And that worked out okay for a few months, except for the fact that supporting a family of three on a uh, graduate student salary doesn't work very well. So by January, um, we were seeing a lot of negatives in my bank account, and I figured it was time to find some way to earn money. But we still had no way to take care of our sons, so I was looking for something part-time. We looked in the classifieds, and we saw make up to $15 an hour working from home. And I said, well, now this is before the Internet was a major economic force. And I figured, well, $15 an hour may not be much, but it's better than $0 an hour, which is what I'm getting right now. So, and it turned out that uh, this was, in fact, a telephone psychic service. It was, to be specific, a tarot card reading service. So I said, this is, this is bullshit, but, <laughs> but I thought I would give it, a, give it a try because if nothing else, we thought I could come up with a good story out of this, right? So I showed up to training, training and uh, learned, uh, learned a couple of truths about the telephone psychic industry. First, they said, now, we're an entertainment industry. Okay? We're not promising scientific results, but everyone's a little bit psychic. So... <laughs> 
so we learned basically just the mechanics of how to read the cards. And I had, I don't know if anybody here reads tarot cards or, or is in any way, uh, finds this useful. I didn't. I wasn't familiar with them, but I figured out how to flip through them. For those of you who aren't familiar, um, it's a deck of cards with various ambiguous figures that you uh, draw in a certain pattern, and you use these figures to help guide a sort of uh, psychic interpretation that supposedly helps find answers for people who are answer- asking questions. But the real goal of the psychic telephone line is to keep people on the phone for as long as possible. <laughs> so, and so I learned, and so the other, the, the catch to this was that you could earn up to $15 an hour, but they only paid you for time you were actually talking on the phone. So if, and they paid you by the minute. So if you had a two minute call, you got paid for two minutes. Uh, and so that $15 was if you were working continuously talking for 60 minutes an hour, which I was not. So they started the training. They started us doing calls in the call center, which was like a a series of trailers uh, outside of town. And I had a really hard time starting this because I'm like, oh, my God. I hadn't told them that I had a graduate degree because I could barely believe I was there myself. So I picked up the phone, and I said, how am I going to do this? And I had my first call, and I said, bonjour, this is Jacques. How may I help you find your future? Now, this was bad. Well, I figured I could at least speak French. Uh, so this was a, a, a character that I could keep up. And it was the only way I could keep myself to actually go through with these conversations, <laughs> which, were, which were ludicrous in the extreme. Um, so my calls basically fell into three categories, mostly. A third of the people thought the whole thing was really funny. They say, man, can you really see the future? And I'm like, well, you tell me. He said, all right, what's my name? And I'd be like, I see something starting with M. He's like, no, man, my name is Keith. And I said, yes, it's a man's name. Man starts with M. <laughs> he said, said, oh, man, you are pretty good, you know. <laughs> the problem is the joke kind of paled after a few minutes when they realized they were paying 3 or four ninety-five a minute for the call. So that was about a third of the call. A third of the calls. Another third were people who were really serious. They came. They were calling with a purpose. They're like, which horse am I supposed to back? <laughs> and I'm like, well, let's just go through the cards. We have to start. But to fuck the cards, which horse am I supposed to back? I'm like, this is a tarot card line. That's how we do this, you know? And they say, uh, and they were very hard to keep on the phone for any length of time. And I found most of my calls seemed to fall into this category. Now, the, the problem with this is that the way, the way that they assign calls to people is based upon your track record. So after they decided that I wasn't a complete incompetent or working with the FBI, they allowed me to work at home. And how this works is you dialed in. This was you dialed in on your phone and you entered a code, and then they started routing calls to your house. But it was based on how long your average call was. So since I was just starting and my average call was about two or three minutes, I was way down on the list. So I would only get a few calls an hour. So that $15 an hour was looking pretty far out of reach. But the third category of calls is the only thing that kept me going for at least a couple of weeks. And these were people who looked like they really just needed somebody to talk to. You know, I had one call uh, from a lady, we, uh, we'll call her Jody. She was a single mother who had dropped out of high school. And she was calling up because she said she had worked, she had gone back to school, she'd gotten her GED, She'd moved home with her, with her mom so that her mom could take care of her kids while she took classes at the community college. 
And I said, this sounds great. Everything is going very well for you. And she's like, I met this guy. And he is so hot. And he's asking me, he's in the military, and he's moving to South Korea. He's being posted there, and he's asking me to go with him. And I'm like reading the cards as best as I can. You know, the cards are a pretext to sort of shape the conversation, you know. And uh, I say, well, how long ago did you meet this man? She goes, last week. (laughs) This young lady, now she knew damn well moving across the city, dropping her studies and moving to a military base in South Korea with a guy she met last week was not a good idea. Part of her knew that. Part of her also thought this would be really fun to do. And uh, so I just tried to guide her. The card said, oh, what do you know? They say, you know, you should really stay the course where you are. I see danger with a long journey, you know. (laughs) And she was receptive to this, you know. And so those people like that, I felt, often they kind of knew what the right thing is to do or what the, the right thing is that they should be doing. And it wasn't too hard to get them to tell you what they were expecting. And this is the real secret to all of the psychic call lines, is that you are trained mostly to listen to what people are telling you. And they're already predisposed to accept what you're saying because they're calling a psychic hotline. <laughs> so, this is, uh, so it's not too hard to get them to go in a direction that is not crazy. So I went, this went on for a few weeks uh, with me earning much less than $15 an hour, sitting in my garage with the Christmas lights, um, trying to get them to the right mood. And then, but towards the end, after a couple of weeks, I got a caller that really brought, my, brought the experience to an end for me. Her name was Elsie, and uh, she was a very nice older lady. And she asked me very simple questions. She had a very nice life. It sounded like she was retired. She had a daughter who visited once a week. Her problems included, you know, will I see my friend at the bingo hall? And, uh, you know, will this bill be paid? Very anodyne stuff. She was very pleasant to talk to. What was special about Elsie is two days later, she called back and she asked for me, Jacques. (laughs) She asked for me by name. Now, this is the gold standard of what you want to do as a psychic caller, as a psychic uh, telephone operator. You want regular people who will call you back all the time and talk to you for longer and longer periods of time until, you, uh, until you're actually making something close to those $15 an hour. And Elsie called back and I said, you have a new problem? Is something wrong? She said, no, I just wanted to see what's new in the last two days. And I felt bad about this, especially because one of her problems, one of the things about which she was talking is, minor concern about her fixed income. And I said, you're spending three to four dollars a minute to talk to me to learn about what to do about your fixed income. And I couldn't, I just could not continue doing it after the second call. So I stopped calling in. Uh, I ended up earning about $150 for my month's work, which seemed to me like awfully little for the amount of stress that it had put me through. Now, soon after, I actually did end up with a a tutoring job that worked with me where I could, and then uh, an editorial job where I was able to bring my son, and I eventually landed my way into respectable employment. Um, But uh, I've had a lot of different jobs, different unpleasant jobs, uh, house cleaning. I worked, you know, grading standardized essays once for the state tests, and believe me, that's torture. But this is the job that makes me the most uncomfortable because 
for the entire time I was doing it, I did not feel comfortable uh, in my own skin. Even using the voice of Jacques, uh, it was not enough distance between me and this. Uh, and I, in fact, felt uh, so dirty about this job that I never told my parents or any of my friends that I did this. I've left it off my CV. And it's taken me... Uh, <laughs> and it's taken me... Uh, and although when I started this, the idea was that this would be a fun story to tell, I actually haven't uh, until today. So thank you. <laughs>